0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I am your host. It is Wednesday, January 6th. That means we're just mere days away from NFL playoff football starting six games in total. It also means it's a... Wow, that that came in strong today. Sorry. That, that, that was strong. That was awesome. You're yeah. operating out of the, uh, the Fantasy Football Today p- uh, podcast studios, right? That's right.
1: Yeah. I, I only come in here whenever they kick me out of the main studio due to COVID protocols and because it's Pete Prisco, you know, Pete, because of seniority, given that he's closer to the Grim, Grim Reaper than I am, he <laughs> always gets precedence over everyone else as far as going in the main studio. Now he claims that he hates coming in the studio because he likes there being more camaraderie, more people on at the same time. Uh, but well, I think it's a lie. I think it's cause he's lazy
0: at the risk of, you know, I'm just going to tell you some things I've been hearing about Pete lately. One, well, one, I didn't hear this. He he claimed that once the we were sort of a, a little more in the clear in terms of being able to come into the office, that he would be staying home more often anyway, because that's just how it was going to be. And we told him, no, Pete, ain't happening. You're coming in the office. You you claim you're the star of HQ. That's his his words, not mine. He, that,
1: that, are, that is his words. He he, he, has, he has always claimed that Pete Prisco is the star of CBS Sports HQ. I've even heard him sometimes drop the HQ. Just said CBS yes, Sports. Star of CBS Sports. I was like, well, Roma might have something to say about that, but I mean, Pete, if you if you really think you're the star, go ahead, man.
0: Yeah. Like you're maybe the star of CBS slash NFL slash writer slash Pete dash Briscoe, but that's probably it, pal. Um, and then I also have heard there are there's a discussion that amongst people in the office and I, you know, people, maybe there are people in the office. Some would say
1: people, the the office is buzzing. The office is buzzing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's sort of the phrase I heard that the office is buzzing right now, that Pete in the height of playoff season, where it's, you got to like, where, where true stars get ready to shine their brightest that Pete is turning down work left and right outright, refusing to work, whether it's podcast video uh, whether it's lunch meetings with prospective advertisers and just various things bandied about, and you know, you you got to question whether you know he wants to be here or not. You know, whether he has it, the passion, the fire in his belly, if you will, Brady.
1: Yeah, I mean, almost like he, he's turning them down to try to you know secure a draft pick or something like the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> presumably did. You know, everyone's kind of assuming that's what they were doing out there. Who knows? But. Uh it, it it's a little bit worrisome for me. I'm, I'm worried about the old guy. Um you know, we have done a plenty of shows together. I think he may be going crazy. I'm not I mean sure. it's not too different from any other year, but he's becoming really forgetful too. Like a lot of times we do yeah. our picks on Wednesdays together, he keeps thinking he got a bunch right and Will as you would attest to this, you it finished confirmed. strong at the end of the season. He did
0: not. He really he fell apart. He He was he like, "Ah, oh, look, I went 9-5 and 1 again." It's like, "No, no, you went 4- like for eleven in water, whatever it was. Yeah,
1: yeah, I know he, he did not have a good finish this the season. I, I think he's confused with some of his picks.
0: It would be borderline um, negligent for our bosses not to at least get him tested for some stuff. Yeah, you know, I mean,
1: not just COVID, but a lot of things.
0: Right, 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 right. I mean, like, like, I mean, you know, like it's we we're all here for Pete's mental health. I hope I hope that people look into it. Uh, anyway, COVID. Uh, by the way, in the feed. We have a ranking. We ranked the head coach vacancies on a show recapping Black Monday. That's, by the way, that's so original because I did the exact same thing on radio today. I mean, what, yeah, what do you? What what was your number one? Uh, I had the Chargers number one, actually. Okay. Who was two then? Jaguars. I was really one one A one. I had, I hadn't flipped just because I think
1: general manager from what I may know about what's being offered, you know, you got complete autonomy as the head coach if you're going to Jacksonville. So. Um, that, that's pretty powerful, I think, for a lot of head coaches, right? Well, now.
0: maybe we'll have to talk about that. Um, in fact, you know, one of the things that I said, I think I had to, did I have to? Yeah. Cause I think, uh, Wilson had the Jaguars one. I mean, they're really, really close. I think yeah. I was almost deferring to the fact that, uh, Justin Herbert, and, and, like I'm, I'm as high on Trevor Lawrence as you can possibly be. I think he's going to be awesome, but well, Justin Herbert has a year's worth of tape. Sure. And that, that makes a difference. Like sure. You know, he's really good.
1: And I think the counter to that would be this and not saying that Trevor Lawrence can go in and is going to do what Justin Herbert did his rookie year. The counter to that would have been, yeah, he had a great rookie year. He beat Baker Mayfield's touchdown record, but like look at how Baker Mayfield was then viewed after a second year. A great point. And even in his third. So you got to be careful about just even using that one tape as your basis for it. I think you, you, he's definitely a piece of why it's the second best opening in my opinion. I think as a head coach that's coming into it, you want flexibility, right? And you might be saying to yourself, you know, I want to win now, and maybe there's a veteran guy that's out there that you want to take a chance on. You know, I, I have it hard to believe that Jacksonville's not going to take Trevor Lawrence or whoever head coach gets there is going to take Trevor Lawrence. But you'd think that with all the draft picks that they have, the cap space, some of the young pieces they do have, and even that division, right? Like so Philip it, Rivers. Philip Rivers it, it, is going to be retiring at some point, okay. I don't know if the Colts are going to be able to find the next guy. The, the Texans to me is a good job just because of Watson. But outside of that, I, I'm not, there's not a ton I really like about that. I'm not sure the Tennessee Titans will be able to maintain this kind of consistently high level
0: of play. I just, I think that division you could kind of flip and turn around pretty quick. Now that is actually, I was wrong. So, uh, for pod, people who listen to the podcast every day are probably like, Brinson, you've, Pete's not the one who has mental issues. You are. Um, it was Wilson. And I who had the Chargers first, and Breach who had the Jaguars first, and Breach's logic was in fact the division. Like, yep. and and that's a, it's a great point. I mean, you 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 have to winning. bang your
1: head up against basically Bama if you're a college football fan, right? Like like the Auburn job. Who's going to want that? Right. I, I don't know, but anyone who wants to have to play Nick Saban. Well, now you got to play Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes twice a year, right? And the Broncos they've had four losing seasons. I don't know the last time that happened in, in their history. I think they're going to turn some things around too. They'll make some moves this offseason. And then obviously
0: the Raiders, I, I think they're just a good defense away from being a, a playoff team. Yeah. It's a much, much, much better division than the AFC South. So that, that's, that's totally fair. And, um, we'll get, let's get, we'll get into, uh, you know what? Why don't we, I do want to ask you about that. You mentioned the autonomy thing. Um, cause we're, we'll get into the head coaching stuff in a minute, maybe like in a deeper thing, but I'm curious about the Jaguar stuff. Do you think that whoever is the head coach, see, this is my suggestion too. Is that if I, it would depend a little bit on what coach I was. So right. let's say hypothetically that I'm uh, uh, Brian Dable and I take the Jaguars job. I'm guessing that Shad Khan is going to hire somebody to be my boss. Maybe he's willing to let me find somebody I like to work with, but you know, Shad Khan mentioned that he's going to have final say, et cetera, which is a little concerning. I think, however, if I were, um, let's say, I don't know, two time. College football national championship winning coach. And I decided to go to Jacksonville. If you're afraid of Urban, he actually won three. So you're shorter than
1: one. But oh, you're no. right.
0: Urban Meyer did win three, two at Florida. My bad. But my cousin Buck was at Florida for four national titles. Bucky was Buck. Buck Jamie. Nobody, he doesn't like me. No, we call him Bucky. My grandmother refused till the day she died to call him Buck.
1: Yeah. I'm not I, calling you, Buck. you should tell everyone, the listeners, how I got that name. I'll, I'll go ahead and tell for you when he was a young kid, though, he had these two buck teeth that came in and it just kind of stuck. They looked at him and say, hey, buck,
0: you know, big, you have buck teeth. They're sticking out. Like you wouldn't believe big, so that's how you the a big North Florida hunters, basically South Georgia. Anyway, if urban Meyer came to Jacksonville, I would presume that he would be able to do whatever he wanted from a roster and GM hiring perspective.
1: Well, I'll first answer that question by asking you this. Um, what's the, what's the, the structure in Buffalo? Is it Sean McDermott or is it Brandon Bean? I think Sean
0: McDermott hired Brandon Bean. Exactly.
1: Yes. So if I'm Brian Dable and I'm going in there first, I think I would then be saying like whoever the general manager come in, comes in is going to be working under me because I need to ensure that whatever players he's supplying me fit within my vision for our team. They can, you know, understand the technique and scheme we need to play with and also the character. Like there's some coaches that they're willing to make more, I don't want to say excuses, but They're willing to kind of bend some of the rules to deal with the more talented, you know, high caliber players. There's other coaches who are, not and they're like, this is how it is. I don't want to deal with any other BS. And so you need a general manager that can understand if they're going to draft a guy who's got some baggage, whether or not their head coach, how he's going to deal with that, how the staff's going to deal with that, especially when you're starting out trying to change the culture of a place that hasn't been really successful of late. So I think in either instance, personally, I would always say the head coach needs to have the ultimate power because, look, you're ultimately great on what happens on the field. And so if the general manager isn't aligned and there's some backstabbing other stuff going on, he could take this thing in a heartbeat. And so I think if you're an owner, you really need to make sure that if if you're reading the press clippings, that's all based on how you perform on the field. Well, then you need to give the guy who's ultimately in charge of that, especially on game day, the ability to be able to choose who's helping him
0: build that roster and build that team. Yeah, and that's it's interesting how these hiring cycles work because now the, like, you know, to uh, 2017 you know, we need you got to have to know Sean McVeigh. or like, you know, be be somewhere, you know, being a bright, a young offensive mind who worked around or near Sean McVay. That was the, right. the hot new thing or what it was in 2018 too. And now in 2021, everybody wants a CEO type. And I think, I think they're these owners. I understand this. They're just buzzword happy. And I get it. The GMs and the teams and the PR people and all that. I don't think they're that far off, but to me, you mentioned the Buffalo setup and I think the same setup is true in Seattle when Pete Carroll was hired and then he brought John Schneider in, you know, Hey, listen, you know, you are, we are working together, but I am going to call the final shots. Same thing with McDermott and Bean. To me, that's the best setup. And yeah, you got to have two guys who are good at it, but they work hand in hand and, you're rowing the boat in the same direction like it's not that hard of a concept to figure no. out in business but for whatever reason these football teams just can't ever get it right
1: well that's one of the reasons why when we do the ranking for the jobs that are opening I like Jacksonville better because that that's still open you know not that I I like Tom Telesco. I think he does a really good job but ultimately he you know hiring his third head coach now by the way that's right and so there's something to be said for that and look I think Anthony Lynn was a good co- coach he just He didn't handle some of the time management things well, and I think that caught up to him in a bad season. But they've been snakebitten, too, with injuries and whatnot, but we won't get into that. I think the interesting thing about when you talked about a CEO versus what was in a few years ago, like that young offensive mind, is you still get that. Like I think a lot of it's based on, like, look at the conversation for, all right, the Chargers want to interview Jason Garrett. Why? Well, they want an offensive mind who did a good job with Dak Prescott, who I don't think he ever had a losing season as a head coach with the Dallas Cowboys. And so I don't know that you're looking at him and just saying, well, he's a CEO type. You're more looking and saying we have Justin Herbert we want to make sure we help him play you know, to, to the max of his ability and help him, you know, help him achieve at a high level. Then we feel like we'll be successful. That's why Brian Dables get an opportunity because of what he's done with Josh, you know, Josh Allen. And same thing with Eric Bieniemy because they think he's done had a piece of that with Kansas City. You know, when, when you start looking at the discussion of an urban meyer or even like Ryan Day's name was thrown out there too. Um, I think that more stems from like watching how Matt Rule's handled things in Carolina, or even just Cliff Kingsbury, where you could probably draw him to both and saying, well, in part, he's a you know a Sean McVay guy, or Sean McVay was going to hire him, you know, whatever. And he's these young offensive mind, but he also was a guy that was in charge of the roster. And so I think for a lot of people out there who you know there was reports saying that Urban Meyer wants 12 million, and, and I don't know if that was substantiated <laughs> or not, right? Like you could make the case that. Urban Meyer could easily say like, Hey, you're paying Matt rule, 9 million. Sure. All right. I've won three national championships. So do this, give me nine and give me another million for every national championship that I want the college level. Like <laughs> he didn't, it gets us to 12. And, and by the way, I would also argue that if you look at the way the pay increase and in the structure has worked for every, like every player, like the way it's inflated over time versus coaches is drastically different. So like, it's not that like when John Green got paid a hundred million for the 10 year deal, I wasn't sitting there saying, "So be it." I mean, you you at times have other guys who don't provide as much value for a team getting paid ten million, right? A backup quarterback who might never play getting paid ten million, and meanwhile, your head coach is getting paid less than that. So, it's a hundred percent justifiable for the money. Mind and me.
0: it doesn't count against your salary cap. No, no, spend and so up for coaches,
1: always spend up for coaches. Hundred percent, and so so like I didn't I didn't balk at that figure at all. It's like no, it makes sense. Yeah, and then you give him a million for each national championship he's won more than Matt Rule makes sense.
0: I was just here for Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk writing an article about it, and then Ian Rappaport of NFL Media, like the next morning, sending out a tweet that was not so uh, thin. It was not so thi- it was thinly veiled. Well, let, let, let me do this because I, th- I think there's two ways
1: of looking at this. I think, one, if that was the initial ask, or, hey, like, what would that price be? And that was out there. There's two ways of looking at it. Either you come from the team perspective where you want to put that out there because it kind of ends up being a bad look if someone's asking for that much, right? And so it looks greedy. It looks whatever it looks. And so I think it's a negotiating tactic for the team if they happen to leak that out. Now, the other side is you could be saying, well, they're going to, you know, they want to beat down expectations where I don't know where that number came from if you're representing Urban Meyer. So we want to make sure that we're, we're not, you know, feeding into some unrealistic expectation that we can get him paid that like both those things could be true, could be at play. We ultimately won't know the only thing that ultimately really drives up value is competition. Sure. And so if Urban Myers interviewing for the LA Chargers job as well as Jacksonville, now you got a little bit of a bidding war and that's where that number gets to 10, 11, 12 million. And you might say, well, he's never coached in the NFL. So what would guarantees him any success? Well, I would argue. What guarantees any head coach success in the NFL, right? Like John Gruden's in his second stint now and he's three years into it. And like, how much success have they had of late? You know, versus a first time head coach and Sean McVay or Kyle Shannon, whatever. So I don't know that you're basing it off of like, well, where was he at before? And like, why does he justify to get paid that? He's paid the value that the market's willing to pay him. And if he gets paid 12 million, so be it. Here are some reasons though, where I feel like the college head coach makes sense for the NFL. The average age of the NFL player now has gone down. It's different than what it was 10, 20 years ago. Okay, People need to get on board with that because the way the, the draft salary uh, pool has worked and the way it's cut out the middle class. So it's younger players you're dealing with that are more accustomed to like what they had in college. I think a lot of how college operates now is more of like a professional organization anyway now. And so it's not that big of a transition when you look at what these guys are, how they're running a college organization – and how they're being asked to run an NFL organization now, especially the top programs like in Ohio State. So that makes a lot of sense from that standpoint. He's going to be one of the better talent evaluators. If your roster in college is built on the talent which you can recruit, and ultimately you're not in charge of where those guys go. You give your best pitch, and then you hope they pick you. In the NFL, you actually get to choose those guys. So when it's your draft pick, it's free agency. Both of what the Jacksonville Jaguars have plenty of picks in cap space. You're probably going to be better, have better knowledge on the background of a lot of these other players that are coming out and understanding their strengths, weaknesses, in picking them, especially early on. That's also a feather in the cap for I think any any college head coach. And then the last thing is like you talked about, if indeed you are looking for like a CEO type, you know you're going to be hard pressed to find a figure that's able to a deal with a bunch of players, more so twice the amount almost of an NFL or a, uh, excuse me an NFL roster, sure. right? I mean, you've got a ton more between scholarship players, walk-ins and all that. And then on top of that, you're over top of everything. I mean, you're, you're, you're looking also just at dealing with boosters and everything. Boosters and budgets and fundraising and, 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 and you're dealing with like an indoor facility that you're trying to, you know, remodel or make or what you're doing, right? Into the sports science of all that. So there's all these different ways which you are being pulled different directions. Kind of similar to head coach. In fact, you can make the case that maybe head coach in the NFL, as much as they're pulled different, they're not pulled. They don't have to recruit. Like, after they sign a 2021 class, they're not going, okay, 2022, 2023. Like, that's not a college head coach has to deal with. So I would make the case that, like, I think they're actually a great fit for an NFL franchise. It's just because of how, like, Steve Spurrier worked out, or even Nick Saban, which I think if Nick Saban came in the NFL now, he could be successful. But I think because of how those two worked out, people have kind of looked the other way. But, like, look at Pete Carroll. You know, look at some of the other guys, like Cliff Kingsbury's, had relative success for how fast. Jim mean, Kelly on. went to the playoffs two years in a row. I mean, yeah. yeah. Until he got, 20, until he got 40 wins in the first two years. Like, yeah. so anyway, I, I think people who are like scoffing at that number, if that ends up being it, or just the idea of like, you know, w- 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 there's, uh, there's risk there. Yeah, there's risk with any head coach you hire, but I actually think you could make the case that a guy who's been a college head
0: coach is probably better equipped to be a head coach in the NFL than he's a coordinator who's never right. done that. I agree with that. You're, you're, I think that really gets undersold a lot when you talk about a coordinator becoming a head coach, like the, it's just it's a different job. You're not, right. you're not becoming a super coordinator. You're becoming a guy who is dealing with, you're becoming somebody who needs to be a, a CEO, like management type. I mean, that's, that's what you're doing. You know, when a coordinator you're drawing up game plans and you're giving it to your boss to say, Hey, here's what we're going to do. And you're working with a specific side of the football. And you're not doing, I mean, you are doing that to a degree as head coach, but you're managing so, so much more. Right. Um, okay. Let's take a break. When we come back, Brady will tell us, would he have punched Doug Peterson in the face if he'd been pulled off for Nate Sudfeld? We'll find out next. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit USA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, so the Eagles, it's, uh, this is Wednesday when we're, when people are listening to this. It's Tuesday when we recorded it. The Eagles thing, the Doug Peterson stuff, the, ta- the tank gate, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, still buzzing on Tuesday. I think that's to be expected. Wednesday is sort of the the turn-the-corner day, Wednesday-Thursday in the NFL. I think Thursday, I guess, once you get to the playoffs. So hopefully this is all behind us. I I don't think the NFL is going to launch some investigation. I'm curious your thoughts on what would your reaction have been if you were Jalen Hurts, and are you surprised to see
1: some of the fallout from this? Yeah, I mean, look, I've been on both sides of this. I've been a starter in a game where I've gotten pulled. I've been a backup that's gone in. And so – Look, if you're Jalen Hurts, look, he didn't play well. He didn't play well the week before. He didn't play well in that game. Like people are going to be like, oh, he had two rushing touchdowns. Okay. But he didn't even run the football all that great and he wasn't throwing the football well. So I'm not advocating for why Doug Peterson made the move. I'm just saying like it's understandable if you throw a pick and you're not really able to be too efficient in the passing game and, and things aren't working and you're at the end of a game down by three, you might want to say, all right, let's give this other guy a spark who at least in his career, when he's gotten in games, has looked all right in Nate Sudfield. So th- there is that argument to be made. And if you're Nate Sudfield, look, you're stoked. You get an opportunity to play. Like, you've been working your entire season for this chance, this opportunity. And so now it's your your chance to go in and win the football game. And so, like, the idea on the outside, like, well, they put him in because they wanted to lose. You think Nate Sudfield's thinking that? Like, he's like, oh, coach put me in because he doesn't want to win this game. <laughs> He's thinking, no, I'm, I'm I'm gonna light this thing on fire. Like I'm gonna go and show everyone why I deserve to be a starter, how I can go, you know, have a job next year in the NFL, whether on the Eagles or somewhere else. So it bothers me to hear this whole narrative that's written by no offense, like a lot of writers, people on the outside who haven't been in that spot because sure. like it even stinks for me to hear like the teammates are all oh, the teammates are mad they pulled Jalen Hurts, right? That was the narrative. You know what they should have been mad about? All right, you should have been mad when you found out Carson Wentz was inactive when they announced the inactives before the game, because news newsflash for all the veterans. Let's say the scenario played out this way. If Hertz got hurt in the game and then Sudfield went in, would you be second guessing at that? No, because you're saying, well, it was a necessity. He had to go. You might, you question, might be second guessing Jalen Hurts getting injured in a meaningless game, which, which, which is fair, even though you want to see what you have in him. But my whole point is this, if that scenario played out, wouldn't you be then second guessing saying, wait, We, we want to win this football game, but we have a healthy scratch in Carson Wentz, who we feel like is a better quarterback than Nate Sudfield. Like, you should have been asking that question if you're Jason Kelsey, when you saw that he wasn't, he was inactive for the game, before the game even started. And you could have said to the coach, so what happens if if Jalen gets hurt? Or if he plays bad and we want to spark, you're not going to put Carson in? You're not going to, you're not going to do that? Well then, then, then sit me out too for this game. If you're not in this to win it, then sit me out too. Before we go into this, I'm going to put my body and everything on the line if you're not serious about winning this football game. If this is all about next year, and if you're a veteran player and feel that way, I don't have any any problem with it. But but you can't after the fact go, well, now we're mad they pulled Jalen Hurts. Well, dude, what were you thinking before the game? Like, (laughs) Did you not think that was a a potential possibility? I mean, that's what doesn't make any sense to me with all this is there's outrage about it, yet the writing was on the wall. You know the inactive list before the game?
0: Miles you know, Sanders, Carson Wentz, Fletcher Cox. Like if you wanted to win the game, you'd shot those guys out there. So yeah. I, I Miles saw... Sanders
1: was quoted as they were upset they pulled Jalen Hurts. And it's like, well, okay, like what do you care, man? Like right. that's the other thing of it, is like for for when you're a team, right? Like and I remember I remember going through this. Like I remember I think we played it was in two thousand twelve. Matt Castle had just driven us down the field. I think versus the Cincinnati Bengals in Kansas City for a field goal. And look, we didn't do much offensively at that point in time. We were a bad football team that year, but they literally benched him at halftime. And I remember going over to my locker with him and I just looked at him. And I go, this is effed up. I was like, there's, you haven't done anything wrong. It's not you. Yeah. And then, and now I've got to go into this. And and the last thing you want as a quarterback in that spot is for your teammates to be like, well, I'm not trying to win this game now. You know I mean? Like that's the last thing. That, that's a terrible culture. And you can blame Doug. You can say it's on Doug Peterson for making the switch or, putting them in the, in this situation, but it's the NFL, dude. Like your contract is to go out there and play to the best of your ability. Every right. single game, regardless of what decision that coach makes, like coaches make bad calls all the time and you have to figure out so of to make made it a whole work. year
0: of them. I mean, right.
1: So uh, that, that's what bothers me about it, is like, there's all this outrage about what happened in the fourth quarter. And then and the decision to go for it on fourth down, which if I'm not mistaken, the analytics actually point to that was what you should do in that scenario. So
0: it, it, it was weird. I, I think, I mean, and the, here here's my thing, and I'd be curious if if you think this is real too, and I think you sort of referenced it there, but um yeah, they first of all, we knew Nate Sudfeld and uh John McMullen, I think of CSN Philly, had uh, had reported that, or said that Jalen Hurts admitted after Sunday's game he knew Nate Sudfeld was coming in. We'd heard it reported um in the media. I know Mike Garofalo tweeted about it before the game, he was there at the game, that Sudfeld was gonna play some. I you know, Doug Doug Peterson pointed out that Sudfeld has been there for four years. he Has been in the room. There's a good chance he's not back because they got Carson Wentz. They got Jalen Hurts. I mean, who, I mean, who knows? Well, but, but no. Okay, hold on for a second. So, but how do you know that? And We're so, not- like, well, here's the thing: is that I,
1: I talked to Chris Mortensen. I talked to other people, and, and and you know, Chris was vehemently denied that. He's like, that's not what this was about. They wanted They wanted to the tank for the draft pick and all that. And and, and I'll just defend it in saying this, like. Because he's like, well, he's been there for four years. Know that they have? No, they don't. He threw 24
0: passes, I think, in his NFL career. No, no! But when I say with the four four years, what I meant was, I think it no, no, appears to throw a bone to get some tape out there. Well, that's part of it. But
1: even then, like Chris Watson also talked about them saying, "Look, they're going to be they're moving on from Carson Wentz." Like he goes, "There's a zero to ten percent chance that Wentz is back there next year." So if that's the case, I, I might be saying to myself, "All right, like I get to see Jalen Hurts for three quarters. I've seen him for three games. Besides that." We have an idea of what he is, and we'll find out more in the offseason. But with Nate Sudfield, like, we've only seen him throw 24 passes. Like, why don't I put him in a scenario where Jalen, who runs a lot, let's say he gets hurt in the future. If if we're moving forward and Jalen's our quarterback, like, don't we need to see what we have in a backup in Sudfield if he's going to be that guy to be able to go in the fourth quarter of a game and get us a win? Like, haven't we seen the backup quarterback actually be really important to Philadelphia in the past to maybe help them win a Super Bowl? So – I'm, look, I'm not saying that that was the motivation behind it or the plan. It sounds like it kind of was. And, and even if they were like, they're like, all right, well, we're not going to make winning this game a priority, which at that point, yeah, it wasn't. You but who cares? Yeah. Because at that point in time, like, it's more about the future. It's more about figuring out what you have. Now, look, if you want to blame Doug Peterson for not communicating that to the rest of the players in the team, or you're worried about them not playing hard, and if, if you're worried about communicating honestly with players and they don't go out and play hard, that's on them. Cause if they want to risk going out and putting out a crappy, you know, game film out there, that, that's on them to see if they get cut or, you know, someone signs them next year. I just, so, look, maybe Doug Peterson's at fault for that decision or how it looks, whatever the case may be, but they're trying to figure out what they have in their roster for the future. And that's the position that the Eagles are in, given that the postseason's not in their future. Yeah.
0: And look, it's some of the blames on the NFL, you prioritize this game. You knew the Eagles had nothing to play for. I understand that Washington was the only team completely unaffected by anyone else. And this game, it was the island game that you could put on, but you had to realize that Philly might not play everybody. In fact, by Tuesday, they had, or by Tuesday or Wednesday, they announced everybody was ruled out when Washington was a three point favorite and the line shot up. Like when they said no Fletcher Cox, no Miles Sanders, no all these dudes, then you had to realize they weren't, the idea that, I don't know, I just, I can't get on. No, all... but, but that's the thing why I don't understand the outrage then. It's
1: like, well, he, he didn't, he didn't play the starters anyway. And so you feel like they tanked in the game when, like they made that decision before the game. Like again, going back to the Carson Wentz, like if you had said, Hey, we wouldn't, we didn't want to make him active because we're worried about him getting hurt and not being tradable in the offseason, which very well could be the case. Like if that's the case, then like why is there any outrage from players? Yeah. Like I, I'm sorry. Like if you're a veteran and you disagree with the way they went about handling it, then go talk to the coach, and then you should be out too. Like, I, I, it just it, it, it baffles me that it's gotten this much
0: run. It's only this. It's like the score and the situation with the Giants is all that mattered. Like, if it's thirty to nothing, Washington, no one's batting an eye if Nate Subfeld comes in. Right. You know, I'll put it this way it's too. Peterson's job to uphold the integrity of the NFL and win a division title for the Giants. That's not his job. His job is to evaluate his own roster and try to win football games next year.
1: I'll put it this way. I remember being in a game, it was late in the season, two thousand twelve, that Kansas City Chiefs team. We were not good that year. But there was, you know, there was a there was a time when they were like, hey, we want you to if you get this one on a matchup, throw to this guy. Not not because I felt more comfortable with him, you know, going downfield or, or like if it was press they man, to to see, man taking a shot. Press man coverage, right? Well, that was essentially what they were saying. Yeah. And so what happened when we got there on the field? I didn't do it. Because I knew he wasn't gonna win. And I threw it to the other guy that I knew could. We got a PI and put us down in, down around the goal line. And so, you know, I come off the field, I'm getting yelled at because they're like, "Hey, we want you to throw to this guy." Well, it's like, well, what's the priority here? Because that actually helped us have a chance of scoring. This other this other side's not. And, and and I don't need to sit there and go. I've been around them all year, and I know I'm in a tough position right now for myself personally, but also for a team trying to get a win in a football
0: game. Yeah, but you also I, I, put yourself I, at, like you put your own person, I mean, not your health at risk, but I mean, like your, your future, like you might, what did oh, you do? Go and- no, I, I got hit by
1: three guys, literally. It was like, I remember in that game at one point, there was like three guys who converged on me. And I I remember it was one of the harder hits I ever took, but I don't remember it because I was probably concussed. And then all, <laughs> it, was, it was like my third of that season. Jeez. And then also because I think it was like three different people. So it never compares to like the Kevin Williams for the Minnesota Vikings hit that I took in 2009 oh, when I like didn't so even know so I got big. hit for like five seconds after the fact it was so quick and so vicious, but, but that, but to, <laughs> I digress. It goes back to the point. Like there's been situations like that where you're going, what the hell's going on? But now in that instance, that I didn't trust it. but in other instances, you kind of had to bind it and say, okay, I'm going to throw this up and give it a chance. Now, Again, it, you know, it didn't work out, you know, the way that, you know, with that team or that year and all that, but that, that stuff happens a lot more than people realize. So it's just, it's surprising that it's getting so much run right now in the media. Um, especially considering like, I think the more interesting thing that I took just from my conversations is the fact that how Carson Wentz and the Eagles, how it's gotten so bad so quick. It's it's crazy, dude. Think about the, like the rise of Carson Wentz in Philly. First three games, they had the four, week four, they had the bye. They're calling it Wensylvania because he didn't remember. He didn't play that preseason. Yeah. And then so he goes on this meteoric rise where he could have probably won governor of Pennsylvania. (laughs) And then since then, it's
0: like. But then the the next year in 2017, he's the MVP front runner three quarters of the way through the year. Yeah, And it's just, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. They got to this point so fast. Is it his head? Do you think it's, I mean, I I am not asking you to play amateur like armchair psychologist here, but I mean, there has he to be in something his in his head. Yeah. Right?
1: When, when they drafted Jalen Hurts, it was in his head. Or when
0: Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. I know, I know that, that too. I mean,
1: cause he was, I mean, well, there was a statue up there somewhere, right? I mean, it, it, <laughs> he and, walks
0: by a Nick Foles statue every
1: day on the way to work. Like, like that's a tough reminder, man. Like that, there's a lot of resentment there. Like you could be happy for someone else, but let's be real, man. Like that that's going to eat at you every single day. Cause okay. as a quarterback, I, you're thinking that could I, be
0: me. I have a question that I don't know if you'll, I think you'll answer honestly, but yeah. I, I don't know. Let's say you're Carson Wentz, and you're playing on your your other Browns, and you got you're the MVP three quarters of the way through the season. You tear your ACL, and Nick falls comes in, and you're standing on the sidelines of the Super Bowl. Are what what are you thinking, man? This would be so great if this guy wins a Super Bowl for my team. Or are you kind of like, like no, hundred percent. You're like I could be doing this too.
1: You will. Really, you really do.
0: So I I was talking about this with some friends the other day. I think that Carson Wentz – because he is, by all accounts, like a really, really good person, right? Right. I think he might have some, like, post-traumatic guilt thing going on where he was thinking in his head – like, he's forcing himself to think, like, I want my team to win, but, like, secretly was like – look,
1: you you could be a good person and a good teammate. Sure. That doesn't mean you don't think that you could have been the guy to do the same thing or that you – I don't want to say deserve that because that sounds entitled. But there's definitely that, like, I worked my entire life for this. I suffer a torn ACL. Now some other guy is taking over my chance to be the Super Bowl MVP and win a Super Bowl. Like, it's human nature to go through those thoughts. I mean, it's human nature to go through that. And I think the quarterback position is the one that battles that the most. And the hard thing is, is off of that next year then, then there started to become questions. And what happened is, like, I feel like when I watched Carson Wentz this year is, he lost all confidence. Like when when you're a quarterback and you hold on that football, there are days where you feel like it's on a string, meaning when I throw the football, I'm controlling everywhere it goes, I can hit whatever I want. I felt like there was times watching him this year where you felt like he let go of the football and he had no confidence in where it was going. And and that's it's a terrible feeling to have. It really is. Sure. It's 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 honestly and that's why like when you chalk it up to saying well, he's lost his confidence, most people on the outside go Well, that's not real. Like, 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 come on, it can't be that simple. It's not
0: bravado. It manifests itself physically in how you perform.
1: But it's not even that. People think it's more complicated than that. And to a degree, it is in one way. But in summarizing it, it can be that simple. Like, it can be that simple for someone who is so good at their position, right? They're one of, you know, 32, 64, however many quarterbacks you want to talk about in the NFL, where when they lose that confidence, the ability to be able to perform at a high level like that, that's what it looks like. We see the yips in baseball sometimes. Golf. There's, there's, like, there's great. that golf. There's that mental block and there's that, you know, mental, you know, shot that you take when you lose your confidence. And for quarterbacks, like it could be a delicate thing and it could be really hard to get back.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that may be why he feel, I mean, at this point, you know, they have the Foles thing and you're working past it and then Foles is gone, but then they draft Hurts. And so you're not only is your confidence already, you know, teetering. But then the, then your own team like erodes it even further by drafting the quarterback. Like I
1: would make this argument. I think the interesting thing is like they sign you to an extension because, because it's been a little bit on the part of the Eagles and how he rose material with how he handled it. Like let's just look at this. They move on from fools. They give you a long-term contract. You play last year, arguably some really good football with zero help, zero help. Right. And so you have to be thinking to yourself like, all right, like, they're going to build around me in the off season and continue to help us kind of get this thing back together. And instead they sent a, spe- a second round pick on another quarterback. Like it is a little bit confusing. Like it is a yeah. little bit like, well, what is going on? Like, so do you miss foals? Like, is this, is there something going on here? we like, I'm not good enough for you. Like
0: there is probably some of that thought process going through his head. Well, and you know, it's like, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it would be, it would be, it would be weird. I mean, you're, you know, they tell you like, Hey, you're our guy. And then. Do that to you instead of drafting more help. Right, I'm with you. All right, the Browns. We'll get out. We we'll hit the Browns real quick because the Browns on Tuesday, it was announced that head coach Kevin Stefanski he has tested positive. It's not even a close contact. Is that they just said he's tested positive with COVID. He is going to miss the game. By all accounts, the NFL is throwing a big yeah at the Browns and saying tough, tough loss. And Joel Batonio, the uh, All Pro offensive lineman also out for the game as a result of a COVID test. I mean, what what do you make of this situation? Because this feels so, so tough for a Browns team that for 24 to 36 hours got to celebrate finally getting back to the playoffs for the first time in a really long time, and now it's almost like the rug has been yanked out.
1: Yeah, so like, I think as a Browns fan, and I can relate to that growing up a Browns fan, you know, this is one of those like, oh, great, it's been 18 years, we get here, and now this happens, right? Like, there, there is some of that. Like, I remember the 10-6 and six year, even in some of those games like down the stretch, whether they're close, whether we won or lost, there was like, you could feel it, like the sense <laughs> that we were going to lose. Like, 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 they're just like, here we go again, right? Yeah. And so there definitely is some of that thought thought from the Browns fans. Uh, so I would just say this. I try to be optimistic about it. You know, as a player, I think there's a few things that you can look at and say this. You know, last week they dealt with, you know, these issues with COVID, the facility being close. They really couldn't prepare. And, look, they were out some guys. And, and, and you know, even though they were playing a bunch of backups for Pittsburgh, they still won the game, right, without being able to practice much. So it's the same opponent. You got their starters now, which, look, again, you know the scheme, you know the personnel, you know that's a good thing. Like this could be a team that you never played this year, or maybe only played once, and maybe it's a little bit more difficult to prepare. But it's a team you're very familiar with. Uh, it's it's you've already been able to beat them basically without as much press, uh, you know, prep. Even though it was their, you know, some of their backups. So I think there still should be some confidence that comes from that. Stefanski being out during the week, I think would normally hurt them, but they're not practicing anyway right now, and he could be a part of it as Zoom meetings. And so I would have said if, if their facility was open, like that would be a pretty big loss because even though you could prepare Van Pelt to call the game, you know, not having him there with you all the time is really where like the coach gets paid for what they do. It's preparing their team mentally, physically, emotionally for that game. By the time you get to the game, like if this news came out on, on you know Friday, I'd be like, hey, he's in the barn. Like outside of managing the game, which you can kind of get anyone to do that for the most part, um, you know, the play calling is going to be one thing. But for the most part, like you've got a pretty good idea of what you're going to do with your game plan and what adjustments you might be able to make. So that's not as big of a loss, but Tonio's tough. But again, it's early in the week. And so you'd say, all right, like at least they know and, and the guy knows who's going to replace them coming in. He's got more time to prepare mentally, physically and all that too when they can get back to practice. So I try to look at the bright side of it. I, I think they can still compete. Um, it just, it just comes down to like in game adjustments that that ends up being an issue for Van Pelt. That's one of the thing to keep an eye on. Like, not to use college NFL's comparison, but you look at the semifinal game because Tony Elliott couldn't call plays. Yeah. I thought that was one of the worst called games for Clemson since Trevor Lawrence has been there. It was terrible. Awful. Awful. And and I hate to put that on Brandon Streeter, but I'm sorry, like he he might have been involved in some of the play calling. He ain't calling it like Tony Elliott did. That was terrible. In, in hindsight, so,
0: in, in hindsight, I would have taken Ohio State. I mean, I know that's easy, but like I would I I had Clemson big and Tony Elliott is a huge difference maker. Also, Ohio State. I saw this thread somebody put up. um, I'm not exactly sure who, but it was on Twitter. Ohio State was really. I mean, like they kind of pants sprint Venables. Like they were
1: right. Well, you know, they they, they used some up tempo stuff. There's a whole conversation about signal stealing and all that. And I don't want to like talk too much about college, but the the reality is like in fields. Played his arguably his best game of his college career. Absolutely. Um, so you know, you kind of pick a moment to have your best game plan, your best career game. Sean Watson time, you know? Yeah. And Trevor Lawrence just with the game plan they gave him was hard for him to compete yeah. with what Ohio State was doing. But again, it's an example of you get into the game plan, you might need to change things drastically, right? And say, Hey, remember this what we what we did all week? Yeah. Throwing that out the window, I'm going with something else. It's hard to do that if it's not Stefanski when he's the one that's, you know, really been calling the, the plays you know, all year. So that, that's going to be the tough part, part for him.
0: Yeah. And for what it's worth, the line went away at uh Steelers minus five. Do you know what it came back on as? What? Six and a half. I mean, the head coach and an all-pro offensive line around, maybe they already knew this was kind of coming because it, it opened at three and a half and moved up yeah. to five. Um, I was thinking, Again, I think
1: it's just early enough where one, you can put out that line. There might be still some movement between now and then. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised they put it back out with getting more clarification the next 24 hours. Like yeah. is, is the spread done or are we going to get more players who are going to be missing?
0: I mean, so, I would, if it were me, I mean, I, I was thinking, you know, when it was five and the news is announced you hammer five and then you hope it comes back as like 10 and you hit the plus 10 and you have a five point window, which, you know, with key NFL numbers, but, but what do I know? Clearly nothing. Uh, okay, that's it. That's the show. Awesome stuff. Really compelling stuff on Philly and Carson Wentz's headspace as well, Brady. As always, fun to talk to you. Next time we yep. talk, it'll be uh, in between the playoff rounds. We need to talk playoff oh. football. Well, a little bit. We will. We will. We will next week. We will. Uh, thanks, buddy. See you, man. See you. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the Siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band YouTube. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.